Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. This is the second hour of Oilers Now, 305 Eastern, where tonight the Edmonton Oilers 6 p.m. Edmonton time. Take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. McDavid versus Crosby. Oilers now brought to you by Digitex. PCs, copiers, supplies, printers, laptops, IT, plotters, software. And now Digitex can manage your corporate cell phone plan. Saving your company money. All your devices managed at Digitex.ca. You can reach us on a River Creek Resort and Casino hotline, 780-496-0063. And text us. We'll get back to a couple texts. Time permitting at 630-630 on the Heartland Ford text line with over $10 million in new and pre-owned inventory. They're one of the largest volume Ford dealers in the province of Alberta. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford out in Fort Saskatchewan. We're on Twitter at Oilers Now. You can tweet me personally, Bob underscore Stopper and Brendan Escott at Brendan Escott. In this hour, Stopper Inspector for Horse Racing Alberta. Reminder, oh yeah, it's going to get good coming up. Out at the uh, the old Century Mile, taking place uh, this uh, this spring here in Edmonton with Thoroughbred Racing, and uh, we will also tell you that guests on the show receive gift cards to Japanese Village Steak and Seafood Cook Ready at your table, Japanese Village, Edmonton South Downtown Northside and Sherwood Park. Mark Spector joins us right now. Spec, how are you? Oh, pretty good, Bobby. It's nice to see the snow followed us here to Pittsburgh. You wouldn't want to have an actual warm day in the life of an Edmontonian or anything, right? Are you going to Carolina? Yeah, I expect flurries there, Bob. Flurries. Oh, well, we'll see. Uh, you're buying, you know that. Well, sure. Last time I bought in Raleigh, we were commiserating after a particular Game 7 that didn't seem to go the Oilers' way, as I recall. No, that's where we had our infamous exchange with the uh, the uh, the fans. That, oh, you guys must be fans of the Oilers. And we're like, well, we're broadcasters, but yes, and writers and covering the team. And oh, it sucked you guys lost, eh? And they were kind of having fun with us. And I'm looking at them, I'm like, could you yeah, remember one guy was wearing like a Duke hat, another guy had a North Carolina hat, and we're like, imagine if uh, you only had one basketball team down here and not you know, Duke, North Carolina, or NC State, and you all cheer just for one team instead of for three, and you just got beat by a team where two of the best players were from Edmonton. You got beat by the University of Alberta Golden Bears in basketball, and you got beat by uh, the Golden Bear basketball team, and they recruited two players out of North Carolina that beat you. And they're like, well, that would never happen because our players from here aren't good enough to play at Duke. We have to get guys from Washington and the inner cities and <laughs> Then they kind of got it. Remember that? They got, oh, yeah, that would suck. So, uh, 
Uh, Mark, it's it's Crosby versus McDavid. We just had Craig Simpson on the show talking a bit about Lemieux versus Gretzky. Um, McDavid's put up the points. Crosby's gotten the win. Kind of tells us a lot about where uh, things are at, aren't they? Yeah, McDavid's always uh, he has more points in the matchup for sure. And like you say, Crosby. You know, I want to say this: the last, particularly the games in Edmonton. Uh, Last season, the best game we saw all year, I think, was Pittsburgh at Edmonton. This season was a fabulous hockey game when Crosby yeah. won in overtime with a play that I just saw on a highlight package on Sportsnet like two nights ago. They're still running that thing. Um, they do these two teams. The, the orders rise to the occasion. They play well against Pitt. And uh, you know it's always a special night for McDavid, and he proves himself. So, uh, you know, who, who doesn't want to go to the rink or turn the TV on tonight, Bob? and see the two best players in the game go at it. Uh, Connor McDavid, three goals, nine points in the five games. Sidney Crosby uh, scored twice against the Oilers in Edmonton. Those were his first two goals head-to-head against McDavid. Crosby's got three points in five games, but he's got the win. And perhaps that highlights the challenge that Edmonton has. Best team in the league or a top-flight team in the league with McDavid on the ice and getting destroyed without McDavid on the ice, which speaks to what I believe is the central core issue of the team. It's simply not good enough, and it was made worse during the course of this season. Do you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, how can you not agree, right? How can you not agree? We can go back through about three or four deals that did certainly didn't make them better, and uh, it's pretty clear that, that the issue becomes... You know, I think, I mean, the Edmonton Oilers have three centermen. A sports writer the other just said it be just a couple of days ago. You've got three centermen there you could win a Stanley Cup with. You know, with, with McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins. That's as, as, there's plenty up the middle, which is an important place. You've got three centermen that could take you a long, long ways. And, and there's, I'm not breaking any stories when I say there's not they don't have nearly enough wingers to go with these guys. So... Uh, that needs to be the off-season plan here is you have to find top six, couple of top six wingers. In my opinion, there isn't a top six winger in this roster. And uh, obviously, you know, they've got a bunch of young defensemen coming. That's the good news. They could still use a little help. But uh, certainly, to me, uh, they are not well enough. For the excellence they have at center here, uh, they have not supported those sentiment with wingers. There's no doubt about that. So last Thursday, Brian Burke, who knows Peter Shirelli well, um, he stated that, uh, you know, Peter would take accountability for what occurred here during the three and a half years. Now, I believe, Mark, that there was a philosophical agreement throughout the organization to build a heavier, bigger team. I think Peter used the word heavy 22 times in his opening press conference when he came aboard as GM. Uh, I do believe that the coach, in fact, I don't believe I know that the coaches early last season started saying, hey, we got to get quicker and faster. And I don't believe the body of work suggested that the Edmonton owners got quicker and faster via trade. Which, and because what we're trying to figure out is why is the team in this position? And eventually we'll get to what is the solution moving forward. And can you transition it? So I'd like to get your perspective on that. Um, First of all, do you believe that there was a philosophical agreement to make the team bigger and heavier when Shirelli came aboard in 2015? Yes or no? 
Oh, of course. And you and I are, are two examples of people who watch the orders get pushed around for a decade and said they have to get bigger and stronger. And I'm not, Bob, I'm not the guy that's going to stand here and say, it's you know, being big is is bad, right? You need to be big and good. You need to be big and fast. The Washington Capitals are a huge team, and they won a cup last year. So yeah. being big is being big's okay. You just have to have the right guys. <laughs> you know, your your big players have to be able to move. And and I mean, I think the the metaphor that some people will use is that you traded, for, you know, you brought in as free agent Milan Lucic. Well. Milan Lucic's problem isn't that he's big. His, his problem is that his game isn't where it used to be. You know, it, it, his game at one point would be just fine right now. He's not at that level anymore. That's the issue. It's not that he's big. It's that his game has regressed. So I'm not, you know, you got to be fast in this league. You have to have enough speed. And, and you could well have recovered, Bob, from the original feeling that we got to get bigger, we got to get heavier. That part's fine. If you said to yourself, okay, look, we also have to be faster, they never solved that problem. They got big, they got slow, and that's the issue. You can be big and fast. They're not big and fast. How much autonomy do you believe Peter had in the job? I think tons. I think absolutely the trades and and the acquisitions were – I'm not saying he never discussed them with anyone else. A good GM discusses with everyone you know, a certain amount of people in the organization. But the buck stopped on Peter's desk, in my opinion. I don't see where anyone was telling him uh, how to do his business. Yeah. And you know what? His pedigree would suggest that that should have been the case. Because That's, he was right. Alvin, Bob, you hire good people and you get out of their way. I don't care if you're running a radio station, a hockey team, a newspaper. That's how that's how successful places work. You can't have Bob Nicholson can't micromanage this next general manager. You can't tell a guy how to scout. I got a better idea. Hire a guy that knows how to scout, right? And then get out of his way. That's how a hockey is supposed to work. Stoffer Inspector brought to you by the seven thousand men and women that are employed in the horse racing industry. Mark Ken Hitchcock uh, got a little frustrated. We've already had Craig Simpson on. My guess is Hitch would like to have reworded. What he said, I, I don't think, you know, if you're a coach, I don't think you ever want to say that you think that the coaches want it more than the players. That's a, that's a tough sell to move forward from, isn't it? Yeah, I know for sure, Bob, that, that just the, the body language and the comments, we've spoken to uh, five or six different players about how that went over and what they thought of that comment. And everybody, you can just, you know, you can just tell the way they answer the question that, they're a not necessarily giving you their 100% true feelings, <laughs> and b uh, resent a little bit the fact that they have to stand in front of journalists and answer that question. That's a pickle jar that Ken Hitchcock brought to the table. I don't say and I disagree with him, and and he's a big boy. He should know what he's doing by now, Hitch. But I can say this, and I think he'd agree, Bob. I'm not those comments inside the Oilers' dressing room uh, among the players, uh, I don't think they were received particularly well. Is that fair? Yeah, and I'm not surprised. And I mean, because at the end of the day, I, I'm going to go back to the fact that this team has to have everybody pulling on the rope in the same direction to have any kind of success because they downgraded their skill level and talent level at forward since the start of the year, and they were never that deep to begin with. They're getting a little bit healthier on defense, which could theoretically provide them some options, and they're going to have to get 
uh, you know, they're going to have to get pretty uh, imaginative here cap-wise once they bring up Andre Secker as well. That's one of the areas that we're going to uh, go to when we come back here in I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Builders now, it is 116 in Edmonton, Stauffer Inspector for Horse Racing, Alberta. This is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer on 630 Chad. 120 in Edmonton, Stauffer Inspector for Horse Racing, Alberta. This text comes in out of Red Deer. Bob, for the past 12 years, Oilers fans have been told by Oilers management and the media, you and Spectre, that building through the draft will make the team great again. Guess what, Bob? It didn't work, and now look where we are. For the sake of the Oilers fans, trade the draft picks for proven players like Oliver ekman and He will fix everything. All right. Let's just establish that's not what happened. I wished, in hindsight being 2020, that the Oilers hadn't moved the 16 and 33rd overall picks for Griffin Reinhardt. Okay? I wish that trade hadn't happened, and I wish the team hadn't traded Taylor Hall because Hall took his game to another level, and we all know how Reinhardt panned out. I'll be honest with you, I was wrong. on Re- I thought Reinhardt, lots of guys thought Reinhardt was going to be a better team uh, player. But you know what, Speck, as we bring in here, look at the Winnipeg Jets, right? They stuck to their guns. They made one big move. They moved out of Andrew Kane, which for their organization I think was a good thing. But they stuck to their guns, and they did draft. The other part of drafting is development. And that has become a focus that has improved, in fairness to Shirelli, for the criticism on his player, on his pro player procurement and cap management. One area that has improved over the last calendar year clearly has been development with what's going on in Bakersfield. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, we'd agree on this. Uh, uh, Keith Gretzky, there's some irony here, of course, because people outside of Edmonton and this organization see Keith Gretzky's name and think, oh, just another one of the old boys which is couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> he's not one of the old boys club. He's a bird dog. He spends tons of times in rink, time in rinks, and he has an eye for players, and he's proven that over his career in Boston and Edmonton. So the one area where, you know, as we, as we speak, Bob, there's a farm team on a 12-game win streak. I can't remember that ever happening uh, in the last 20 years on the farm team in Edmonton, or Edmonton's farm team. They've got, a, they've got prospects. They've got a bunch of young defensemen coming. Uh, they've drafted well. I'm not going to say as long as Jesse Pugliarvi is wasting away up here playing nine minutes a night or ten minutes a night, I'm not going to tell you they develop well. Uh, I think they're in, absolutely missing the boat on Pugliarvi. I think they're in the process of ruining that prospect. Uh, and if you don't develop well, it really doesn't matter how well you draft ball. 
Well, Yesipul Yarby Speck in the first 21 games last season when he was recalled from the minors had eight goals and 11 points. A relatively productive player. He has uh, eight goals in the last 89 games. Oh. Is that on the coach? Is that on the players? Is that on the organization? My rule is 75% on the player, but uh, he has not gained traction, and he is. <laughs> it's it's intriguing. Now tonight he looks like he might play with Lucic and Nugent Hopkins, so we'll see how Yasa does there. He's got to have something good happen for him here. Andre Sekera, uh, and this is one. So look, and we're getting people texting the show. And say, uh, I want to get this one text because this guy's Bob. It's amazing how when Shirelli was destroying the team, you wouldn't say anything against him. Now that he's gone, you haven't stopped talking about his pathetic trades. For the record. I never said anything positive once about the Strom for Spooner trade and said I was concerned about losing the center. And my exact line on the Brandon Man, I said I understood the Petrovich trade, assuming Petrovich was going to play. I, my exact line on the Brandon Manning trade spec, and you heard me say it a hundred times over, I didn't understand that trade. When you work for an organization and you say you don't understand that move, what are you really saying, Mark? <laughs> well, what everyone's saying, it was it was not a very good trade. Um, you know, losing. Were you by the way, Spec? Were you on board with the Hall for Larson trade? Because we're getting people texting the show. It's, you're saying you were on board for that trade. Uh, you know, I I guess uh, I'd have to say that I could see why they made the trade. Uh, yeah, I will. I will defend myself to say that I was the very first guy. I remember asking Peter Shirelli a question about losing the trade, and he said, "Oh, we lost that trade." <laughs> so, uh, what I, you know, I guess what I would say to you in hindsight is, um, and erroneously so, uh, I thought if you trade him for Lar, you need a defenseman. I guess make the trade, but you got to get more back. And I think we all said that. I, I know that I said that from the start. They felt that they had to move Tater Hall. Uh, hindsight being twenty twenty, that was they didn't have to move Tater Hall. Um, they brought in Lucic. That didn't work. And you know, even if you make call for Larson, I guess you can make it. But man, you better get a first round pick coming back with that trade. Uh, Peter Shirelli did not get value for Tater Hall. There is no question about that. You can text us at 630, 630. Uh, Andre Sekera, uh, Petrovich in the lineup tonight. Something's got to give here once they do activate him, Mark. Yeah, they need to clear up about 1.3 in cap space, 1.3 million in order to fit Sekera in. What you'll see is Andre Sekera tonight plays his third game in uh, Bakersfield, and then the team and the, has to file paperwork for him to allow, be allowed to play two more games down there. Uh, I think you'll see the Oilers file that paperwork uh, tomorrow morning, and the Secker camp will agree to spend the two more games down there. And in that time, they're going to have to try to make a trade, Bob. And you tell me how you, in today's world, it's difficult to just trade a player for a draft pick uh, because of the cap space and the extra contract. So sure. the Oilers need to get rid of a player and some space. And they might have to waive two they might have to put, uh, spec. They might have to put two guys on waivers. That's what might have to happen here. Well, you know, you gave up a third-round pick for Petrovich. I know. If you have to waive them, uh, that's just like taking a third-round pick and pouring it in the garbage. Uh, they might have to do that, Bob. Yeah. And that would hurt. It, that would hurt. Again, the body of work this year, nothing the guy tried worked. And the one thing I will say to Shirelli's defense is on, is on Andre Sekra. He could not have gotten hurt at a worse time. I mean, getting, blowing out his Achilles in August 
if it happens in the second week of June, Shirelli can react. He can go and you know spend the four million bucks and assume that he doesn't have a you know that he's got a guy in LTIR for the first sixty games of the year and then address it down the road. So uh, that one I'll I'll, I'll I'll give Peter a little bit of a break on. And again, I also believe the whole organization was fully complicit with getting bigger and heavier. But the game changed, and I'm not sure he reacted quick enough to it. And we both believe he had a fair amount of autonomy to do so. And for the haters out there and the ones that want to go with the lazy narrative, they're going to believe what they want to believe. It doesn't matter what we say. So there's that. Uh, make the call tonight. What happens? To, I, for, spec, call me crazy. I got a decent feel about the Oilers tonight. I think they're, I think they're going to be okay here tonight in Pittsburgh. Well, uh, they play well against the Penguins, and they play well on the road. Uh, you won't see me picking them to walk into Pittsburgh and win a hockey game, but they don't yeah. have Malkin in Pittsburgh. Uh, and I've seen, you know, we've seen the Oilers play competitively. Look, we're at that point in the season, Bob. It has to, the wins have to come. Or sure. Or, you're six points out. We're running out of road. Uh, they need to win games. You can't walk into Pittsburgh and say, well, you know what, it's Pittsburgh. They need to win games like this now. They need to win at least two out of three in the road. And uh, nothing less will do, or the playoffs will be history, Bob. No question. All right, uh, that's Mark Spector, Stoffer Inspector, brought to you for Horse Racing Alberta. Speck will join us next week in studio. We'll head off to a global news, weather, traffic update with Morgan Black. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.